Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Paula Price Show, where you can experience scripturally organic, culturally unmodified teaching, get answers to your questions, and receive powerful prayer from your host, Dr. Paula Price, author of the Prophet's Dictionary. Tune in now and get ready for an exciting time of encouragement and transformation. Welcome your host, Dr. Paula Price. Wow, it's Thursday again. It is Thursday again. And it's a good Thursday. A little overcast, but it's Thursday again. And it's time for... Hmm. Well, you almost said taking on Paul Price. So well, Paul that's, Price that's, that's what we did yesterday. <laughs> we spent four hours taping... Well, more than four. But it seemed, seemed like four. Taping four shows and got up to our 20th... Episode recorded. Yes. So we're halfway through our season. And I'm excited about that. So I'm I'm blessing God for who he is and all that he's doing and asking God to have his way today. Um you know, Ashley, I wrestled with God about today's word. Uh Woke up wrestling with him, have been wrestling with him all day because it's probably one of the most difficult uh, discussions or exhort trainings that I have had and will have and can't get around it. God would just, the grace of God just lifted off of me when I decided I wasn't going to do it. And um, which means I'd be left to my own device. Short show. Short show or a boring one. And so, um, and I've, I've, I've asked him all week, you know, we talked about it. And I asked him all week, God, please don't make me do this. Please, Lord, can I do something else? Can I find something else? And, but, but when I've worked for God, you've worked for God as long as I have, um, the option of just telling him I'm not going to do it is just not there. Now, there's a lot of things that we can talk about and, and say, and the Lord will give us leeway, but there are certain conversations that he would like us to have with his people Hallelujah, that serves his purposes. And, and evidently, this one today will be. So make sure you hit share and then share, share, and then go share some more. And then after that, share. And anybody that you can't send to Facebook, call them up, send them a text and say, you want to hear this um, because it's important. It's important to the Lord. It's important to me as well. So before I do, though, I want to remind you that we are coming up on our June event, our annual Tulsa Prophetic Training Institute here in Tulsa, Oklahoma. It's in June. The dates are? 20th through 23rd. The 20th through the 23rd. And you know what happens is that that week falls either teens one year or 20s the next year. And so I always have to keep up with it. I want you to join us this year, especially. We're having it at a new location. That means change has come. New things are coming down the pipe from the Lord, and he is blessing these events and blessing God's people. So why do you want to come this year? Because God is going to strike the ground with his sword by the time we get to the end of 2018. When 2019 comes in, you will feel the strike, and you will see the sparks as God begins to kick off what he's calling the next stage of his plan to advance his church toward its destiny. And so 
what God is doing this year is establishing something that we don't think about. And I would encourage you all to look up the word, and that is establishing his prophetic perpetuity. We're going into the continuum this year. God wants us to understand. He's, he's fishing and scouting for prophets that he can draw into his continuum, his prophetic continuum. Those of you who do listen to Chief Prophet Tyler Price on Wednesday Warriors have a real good idea of what I mean and what we're talking about. Those of you who do not, uh, you will have to go and get on her, her Facebook and just start listening to them or wherever we have them posted. But you want to bring your prophetic company. You want to bring your prophetic God. God is going to talk about guardianship this year. God is going to talk about uh, service this year. He's definitely going to talk about the prophet's continuum and all of those things that go into perpetuating the prophetic as he ordained it. I've been, ta- I've been listening to you that the Prophetic is the first ministry institution God started. I know we think it was something else, but it wasn't. Prophetic. Abel being the first prophet. We want to explore that, and we're going to probe that just a a little bit more, maybe a lot more. I'm not sure. But what you don't want to do is miss the message that the prophets will have to disseminate to the body of Christ and to the world going forward. You know, at some point in your career, you got to stop being wrong. And you have to get tired of missing it and explaining it away that God's changed or people changed or something like that. This year, 2018, God is sending out the donors for the Nineveh. And so there is a lot that we're going to touch on this year. You don't want to miss it. Again, that's the 20th to the 23rd in June here in Tulsa, Oklahoma at the Double Tree Warren Place, not at the Crown Plaza where we've been for so long at the Devil Tree, Warren Place, and it is going to be a phenomenal time. Hey, enroll. Bring your class. Bring your class. Do you realize you can use this to, to certify your class as having taken some um, continuing ed training? You can do a lot with your time here, not to mention how it can enrich your, your curricula and the syllabuses that you're now using. Again, Tulsa Prophetic Training Institute here. Hallelujah. In Tulsa, Oklahoma, Double Tree Wine Place. Go to my website, drpaulaprice.com, and uh, sign up. Bring groups of 10. Bring busloads. I'm telling you, this is going to be like none other. And our events are typically, A, you know, unlike anything else anyway. You know, we do things a little bit differently. You get breakout classes. You get conferences. You get roundtables. You got a lot going on and a project that you get to present. It's wonderful, but you have to be here to be a part of it. So, listen, I want to go into that. I had to get that out. You know, I thought if I didn't get that out, I'd get deep into my subject and um, not do it. So if you have your Bible, again, I'm going to pray because this is something that, whew, my God, I don't have many things that I'm reluctant to do, not because God is wrong, but because I need the courage to do it. You know, Paul said, pray for me that I may speak the word of God as I ought with all boldness. Mm. I just want to think on that, with all boldness, that I may speak the word of God as I ought with all boldness. So this is going to be a very, um, very uh, touching and probably uh, penetrative discussion today. And it may help a lot of us and not just me. You have heard me talk about that we're having in our school, I have created and developed, I think it's going to be one of the most phenomenal uh, programs and disciplines 
uh, the church has known, and I think even the world, but I've developed a program for biblical psychology. You've heard me talk about that. And my class has been, well, we just did the last lecture. And uh, in the class, and next week, they get to do presentations. But in teaching that, I was required to do a lot of research, and I'm still doing a ton of research because it has so many strands and, uh, and so many strains of thought. So I've been teaching it and, and talking about it, and ultimately, this week, we got into the heart, you know, that chamber of, uh, that generates everything that happens in the human makeup. Your heart literally houses everything and generates everything that happens in your human makeup. Now, when you think about psychology, you don't really consider that. You don't think psychology, isn't that the mind? Why are we talking about the heart if that's the mind? There's some good reasons. The Lord Jesus said that out of your heart comes all of the that corrupt and destroy your soul. They originate in your heart. Now, by the same token, our Old Testament prophet says the heart is desperately wicked. Who can know it? That it is not in man to know his way. That there are many plans that a person has, but the Lord himself, um, the, you know, directs those plans or overrides them. But it's the heart. So we have all of this psychological training and teaching on the mind. When the creator of the human being says, but that's not where it begins. It begins on the earth side. It begins in the heart. Now, we have heard, I don't know, those of us who have been in the Lord Jesus Christ for some time, we have heard over and over again to guard your heart with all diligence. For out of it come the issues of life. And yet those issues that your heart breathes or receives from your spirit and then breathes for your soul, those issues are what turn into the the murders, the thefts, the envying, the strife, and all of that stuff that contaminate your heart. And that heart contamination or that emotional contamination, hmm, hallelujah, is passed on to your mind and your brain. So your body behaves as your heart has dictated because your heart does two things. It dictates and it desires. But it also does one thing that we don't think about. And that is, it holds sorrow. Your heart holds sorrow, which is why it, it's translated into all of those other uh, adverse behaviors that end up being the mechanisms that, that give it its outlet or at least decompress the tensions that you have from the issues of your life. And so I'm going somewhere with this. I hope this is speaking to you. This is not going to be a happy time kind of thing. I don't suspect, but I know it's going to be liberating because it was liberating for me. So as I taught it, I think we had 12 lectures uh, in this class, and all of them amazing, everyone amazing. Definitely when this program is over today, go to my website, drpaulaprice.com, and say, I want to take the summer class, or you can go to priceuniversity.org to take this class. It is worth every second you put in it. You want to be free. So. Having said that, so guard your heart with all diligence for out of it are the issues of life. Issues, and I, I, I coined this, you know, heart issues, hallelujah, become body tissues. 
I just coined this for the sake of expediency, that there is a direct correlation between all of this emotional stuff that literally affects the tissues and affects your physical body. And it produces what your body, what your body needs to obey your heart, or it removes what your body needs to obey your heart. But understand, your body obeys your soul, and your soul is the one that executes what your heart wants. I have to say this because, you know, we only did the um, introductory class. We just finished the orientation. Uh, there are so many other classes in this. And to God's glory, I intend to have biblical psychologists that help set chapters free for real. We're not going to just treat you, pet you, whatever, where you, we have a whole teach, talk, touch process. And so we teach, then we talk, and then we touch. And that's how this process works under biblical psychology. Teach, talk, touch. Not just talk and medicate. Teach, talk, and touch. Because... Hello, Paula Price Show listeners. Please remain on the line as we're experiencing technical difficulties. Thank you. Unable to defeat, and yet it's the thing that must be defeated for everything else that you've given me and ordained for me to do to happen. I said, but uh, it, it bothers me. I want you to think about this, because this is the question I asked God. Maybe you'll ask the same question. God, at the fundamental root of our relationship, something is wrong. Everybody has it. I don't care if it's an addiction. I don't care if it's a, 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 a sickness. I don't care if it's some sort of a constant recurrent malady, but everybody has it. It may be material. It may be psychological. It may be emotional. But whatever it is, if we don't go to the fundamental, and at that point, God brought back John the Baptist's words that the axe must be laid to the root. We've been snipping the fruit. See, we're snipping the fruit. Every year we get a crop, we get a spring crop, we get an autumn crop, and we snip that off. We go and we, we toss the bad fruit, we take the good fruit, and we use it as we need. But we've been snipping fruit, and that's why we can't get fruit. And so snipping fruit means that, okay, it's there. I know it's there, but what can I do about it so that I'll just continue to just I'll through, and I'll continue to brush it aside. And to, you know how you do when you're when you're carrying your garden, you, 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 and then you take and you put the sod over it, and you take and put some plants over, it and all of those kinds of things. And so, it's because your covering grows pretty things, you think you've dealt with that thing at the root. But the root is way, way down, and it's still going to give you the same fruit. It may be mixed with some perfumed flowers. It may be mixed with some very um, vibrant and, and energetic oils, and you might be useful for all of that. But at the root of your life, and there are things that were sold in the root of my soul that I, I couldn't do anything about, lived them, did. And so uh, I couldn't fix that. And I tried. And I said to God, as I got to this, I'm so glad he 
honored me to develop this program and to develop this course, and he honored me to have a class that I could teach it every week so that I become first partaker of the healing and the deliverance. But before I became first partaker of the healing and the deliverance, I had to be first partaker of the agony and the pain, the feeling. Because remember, we, we bury those things so we can get past feel. So I had to be first partaker of the feeling. And, and that was horrible. I mean, it was amazing. I'm being very transparent with you right now. And I have, you know, I have to because it's at the word of the Lord. And so God would go and he'd start picking, plucking my little flowers. And he'd start stripping away my little beautiful green grass. And he starts doing all of that and breaking through the rock that was propping up all of that stuff so that I could keep going in life. And when he started plucking, digging with the rock, that's when the feeling returned. And all of, my, all of my mechanisms and all of my mannerisms and everything else that I used to say, I can't fix this. I can't move it. All I can do is numb it. But, but then what happens, though, even though your numbing system and structure may be good, you still have situations that echo, that resonate beyond your dressing, beyond your protection, and, and they resonate, and they start, it's kind of like making that thing start throbbing again in your soul, and you don't know what to do. Add to this particular explanation the enemy who has assigned guards to see to it that that thing that is hiding from God's act always operates on his command. And so you have a lot of external instigation, situations, etc. and God won't stop them. You know, why won't you stop this? Because it's tied to that root. And sometimes you have to take a little bit of a, a season before you start attacking root issues, because root issues could destabilize or debilitate a soul, cause it to be completely incapable of handling life and incapacitated for what's coming on or what or the demands put upon it. So I had to, you know, I, I think that at this year, after 30 plus years, God was like, okay, so I'm going to the root of that. I'm going to, I'm going to go fix this. I'm ready to fix this because I'm coming into purpose. I'm coming into destiny. I'm coming into all of those kinds of things that this root, this festering root is impeding and inhibiting. Is this talking to anybody out there? So this is a free class. I want you to understand, and I'm, I cast myself as the, the, the case and the model. So I'm, I'm, I'm coming down to the end of this class, uh, and it's wonderful, and I'm looking at my students. Just, I mean, God is cleansing, healing, axing, you know, pickaxing and everything, and I'm looking at them saying, boy, if they only knew, if they only knew what my 3 to 5 a.m.s had been, since I started this program and I began to teach it. I literally was being first partaker. In the beginning, I fought it because I called it the devil trying to make me remember bad things, and, and they didn't stop, you know. And so, I, and I, stopped, I mean, I did our typical religious, charismatic thing. We, I bound, I gagged, I stripped, I amputated, decapitated, and everything, and God just came back the next night. And that's when I knew I was in his therapy table, and I knew that he was going to surgically deal with the thing that kept causing me the most uh, trouble and the most disturbance 
in my service to him. And this thing is so deep, it affects the way I can believe him for major things. This is, a, I told you, this is going to be a very difficult uh, extra training, but I am mandated by the Holy Spirit to do it. So if you will join me, get your Bible and let's do Ephesians chapter 6. This is the most powerful answer to many of our issues. And again, our program is biblical psychology. So in biblical psychology, we obviously should have the Bible. I'm, I'm just thinking it might be nice if we had the Bible. And it's based on it. I'm, I'm so excited. I'm halfway through the first book, the first textbook. And, um, but I think that many of you will want to be a part of this and enroll in the program. Ephesians 6, children, obey your parents in the Lord. But this is right. Honor thy father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise. Every other commandment is like do it, but this one is an incentive that it may be well with you and that you may live long on the earth. You know in our generation kids are dying younger and younger. Maybe they're breaking that first commandment with promise. Could be. But here is where verse 4 is where my therapy and perhaps a lot of our therapy begins. This is your root. And fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. What does that mean? That means that as parents, you can so pummel your child's soul, or you can so curse their hope and their blessings and kill their spirit that they become debilitated, psychologically debilitated in life. And unless the Holy Spirit steps in to habilitate them, they will habitually fail, program themselves to fail, tell themselves they're nothing. And your words, your, your damaging words, your dooming words, your cursing words will become the literal instruction center of their heart. So they'll get a dream, and your words will kill it. They'll get a vision, your words will kill it. They'll get a hope, they'll try something, and your words will kill it. Because in killing your child's hope, you soothe that brokenness in your own soul as a parent. Because you were raised and broken, in your mind, breaking your, your, your kid's spirit with vile words and contempt criticism, unwarranted discipline, extreme chastisement, all of that you are doing because you think you're going to make them not turn out like you, but you're replicating your own emotional state in that kid, and you're doing it for your own purposes, and not because you hate your child, but because you hate the fact that they may turn out to be you. And so, or you hate the fact that they may have your experience, try and fail, and be totally frustrated with life, totally anguished over failure, instead of teaching them how to manage it. This is a big deal, and this is how to set the captives free. When Jesus said that he came to set at liberty them that are bound and to heal those that are bruised, God said a bruised reed, Jesus will not break. But many of us are trying to make it through life with soul bruises. 
bruising that you, you don't even remember you got and bruising that you're too ashamed to tell someone that you have or bruising that you literally receive from your parent and because of your loyalty won't confront. I have that situation why I'm here today sharing it with you. And it's going to be a little hard, so I'll ask you to pray. But God did not want me to have this particular deliverance alone. He wanted it to be a shared experience with me, him, and our family. We're a family. So what happens to one has to go through all. I have, since I was a young child, always been innovative. I like innovative things. I like doing creative things. I could just look at something and fix it, et cetera, et cetera. And so that's always been the case. I also was raised by a very difficult mom, extremely difficult, so difficult that at her funeral, her pastor said it three times. Now, when I say difficult, my mom was an orphan, so she had no, no script for raising anybody. She didn't know, you know. So I'm born at 16 as the firstborn. She's no script. She's homeless, except for, you know, the typical when your mom dies, all of the family going to take you until they have to have you, at which point they don't take you. And so she was very violently abused. As a parent, she had a very abusive mom herself. And so my mother only knew abuse. She knew caretaking and abuse. Now, I'm going here because I never do this. I never do it. I never talk about my, I would never uncover my family. That's why I have, I'm having a hard time. I'm a very private person. And I feel like that there should be a real distinction between your private existence and experience and your public life. But this is going to a point that I think I may not be the only one dealing with. So over the years, you know, severe, severe chastisement, severe bruising, severe tongue lashes. I mean, things that are horrible and things that eventually make you a nervous wreck as a kid. So I'm on tranquilizers at 14 because I don't know how to deal with the trauma and the tremors. So I, but still, when God calls you to greatness, a bruise, abused, battered, bruised, you're going to be great. And because he knows what he put in you will still overcome everything else. And so, you know, running away from home at 16, just anything to stop the constant berating, the constant, you are nobody, you are this and you're that. And, and it was an up and down thing. I now figure, you know, after, you know, in modern world, we might have been dealing with a little bipolar manic. I don't know. But there were days that it was wonderful, and then there were days that it was horrible. I used to walk around the block three, four, five times not to come home. I used to come into my hallway and sit on the steps, in the back of the steps, just for quiet just for peace, just so that I didn't have to do the myriad of tasks that were overwhelming after being in school all day. And I didn't, I, I, we just did it. I got 16. We, you know, at 16, I got this whole plank beating that I still don't know what it's about. And that's my first runaway. So that's, that's how, that's the building of the soul, you know. And I'm running down the street because I'm getting hit with this two-by-four that I don't know why. And after a while, you get strong, you get tough. Some of the people out there listening, you get tough, you get powerful. And it wasn't that my mother didn't love me. My mother wanted to beat failure out of me. She wanted to beat 
uh, error out of me, rebellion out of me. And, and in that era, that's all they need to do. They just wanted to, they, there was no, no idea that your child was a person, your child was a, 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 an object that would become a future product that would embarrass you or that would be, um, bring all kinds of burdens upon you. So it was to beat it out of me. Because I like doing things. I always like trying things. I always want to try something new. I'm always going to go to the next level. So anyway, fast forward, I finally, you know, I get married and, you know, and God bless my husband. He's like, I, I don't understand that. I met my husband's parents and they were the most, I'd never known that parents could be good. So I met my husband's parents and my in-laws were absolutely amazing. And they, they helped me a great deal. They really did because I never understood what parents were for. I never understood what a mother was for. I never understood what a father was for because he could never help me. He would never go against my mother. So but there was no whatever. And so I couldn't do that. Now, this is me leading up to the point of this today. When you do that with your child, you create two things. You create a, a, a magnetic field around them that draws other people into their world who would treat them the exact same way. You don't realize it, the kid doesn't do it. And so you, as the first authority figure in your child's life, will want to decide who they will attract and who they will repel. And the people who can do them the most good are repelled by all of that negativity and adversity, not to mention the emotional instability and the mental confusion that that child walks in every single day. Teachers don't like them, and they don't know why. Uh, They can't pass tests. They don't ever get picked, and they don't know why. They don't know why they're passed over, even though they give their best. And they have no idea that the spiritual climate and the spiritual infrastructure has shut them out of good things because of the mounting bad things that keep happening to them. Misjudgments. They get blamed. They get misjudged. They get misdiagnosed. They get missed everything. They miss a lot. And so, and they, and so the same rejection and the same um, re- repellent that they have at home because parents like that repel their kids. Get out of my face. I don't want to see you. Go to your room. We have nothing to say. Sit down and have dinner. Won't have conversation with your kid. Or tell your kid to eat in the room and you'll go put the kid at the table alone and you eat in the room. So that that thing is growing. It's growing in that child's formative makeup. It's growing in their soul and it's building a structure in their heart that makes it very difficult for them to either go after anything, pursue it, stay with it, or have a hope of ever overcoming. So unless this child is a, a uniquely built, strong uh, uh, person, being, they're just not going to. They, you know, I always say people live up to your praise and fall down on your criticism. And many of you, your kids are laying on your criticism, and your criticisms are laying on them. And then your reinforcement of that criticism with physical retaliation or, or, or extreme punishment. Some of those punishments were just, re- they didn't even fit the effects. Some of you won't do that now. You know, the kid comes home with the C, you and I going out for six weeks. Come on here, what is that about? Why don't you get a tutor? That couldn't be easier. Why don't you get a trainer? But uh-uh, and this is when you know you're in trouble. No child of mine will ever blank, blank, blank to me. 
So that was, I mean, I'm giving you short stories, but that was the, the, the context of me being the firstborn. And the firstborn always get the worst. If anything, all of us have to go and make up to our firstborn because they get what you know, they get what you, you did, they get what happened to you. And so I grow up and, and still, you know, finally, I remember being like going to school, trying to read and a million voices yelling at me. All of these words. I remember trying to pass and take tests and all of these voices screaming at me. I remember trying to do a whole lot of things. I guess maybe my willpower must have been more, more than I imagined, but I remember that. I go and failure is never nurtured into success. Failure is always punched. No child of mine. So I finally get my job, I get married, I have kids, and I, you know, have to go back and say, I repent to my kids and have to say, wait a minute, I don't want to produce this product. I want to produce this kind of child. And fortunately, I had two older women who mentored me out of that type of mothering and mentored me into a more balanced mother. And they, for a while, I thought I was crazy. You know, I was under psychology care, all of this stuff, because I couldn't understand. I couldn't get it. I, I didn't know how could you, and then I didn't, again, I didn't know what motherhood was about, to be honest with you, because that's my experience, but it was, it was not all that great. So I go there, and I get through high school, I go, get to the point, I get, I, I get saved, and this is where the reason for this comes from. I remember working very hard at my job, and no matter how hard I worked, there was that, that, that repellent thing, that rejection that's at the root of my soul. It's still magnetized. It's still inflamed. And so you can't hear correctly. You can't hear correction the right way. You hear it as uh, actually correction is traumatizing because that's what it always meant. When you got corrected, it meant pain. It meant suffering. It meant sorrow. It meant deprivation. It meant lack. It meant give up your toys and give up my this and give up my that. And you're going to be in your role forever. Isolation and all of those kinds of things is what it meant. And so we're, you know, especially us as pastors in the church, we have to explore that because what we think is nurturing, other people feel is cutting. And it's taking them back. So we're trying to cure and they're being cut. So I, I finally get there, and I remember, here's the story of the, the event that really stunned me. And, um, I, you know, you rise on, because like anybody in there, if that's your life, then that's your life. That's all you know. So you're not looking for anything else. You're coping, you're managing, you're overcoming where you can. So I, I get saved, get the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And as I did... Um, not long after God started, maybe a year and a half, I told me, I want you to have a church, and you've heard my testimony in that wife in a Bible college. Well, I never, you know, to me, what? Are you kidding me with the life I had? And I was really, I mean, I was adamant to God. I, that cannot happen. But being the Lord, our, our God is quite persuasive. And so I did. I got up, and I said, okay. I looked up how to do it and what to do. And when I did, I found out I just needed to incorporate and, you know, get, you know, get the signers on my 501c3 charter. And I, I was so excited. I was so excited. I was doing something new and something on my own. And when I went to my mom, I said, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm starting a church, but don't think I'm coming. Hmm. So that's blow number one, Acts to the root. This is the root of my ministry now. And the second thing was, 
I need you to just sign so that, you know, I can get this passed. And I said, because I'm starting a church and I'm, we're going to have a business, um, an organization to be great. And her words to me were, nothing from nothing is nothing. This is just a piece of paper. Nothing from nothing is nothing. And when she said that, I was taken all the way back to all of those cutting remarks. And that was the first two things that defined my ministry, the fight to prove that I was nothing, that I wasn't just nothing, and that I could build something. And so, again, I don't know that, that, that with paternal or maternal reactions, whatever. She said, I'll sign it, but zero from zero is zero. And so, now remember, I'm, I'm brand new in the Lord. I'm trying to obey God, and I realize, okay, so there is no, don't, don't expect me to, I'm not doing anything. Well, she relented for a moment and tried and, and, and literally, you know, repeated my childhood with my flock. So um, I told her that we, don't, we can't do this. We can't get along. I refuse to let anybody else hear that. Well, that brought a whole other string of retaliation. We moved out, and not long after, you know, she said she wasn't coming. She went to another church. Uh, she and several of my siblings went to another church, and the church grew. It boomed, and she became the intercessor, the little lady that prayed. And the other siblings, the worshipers. And I'm sitting here struggling, trying to make this work. Now, you might think, well, that's not a big deal. It is when people say, you mean your mother is a little lady that pray on TV every week? Well, why isn't she with you? Wow. Well, there must be something really wrong with you that your own family. And so people use that to say, huh, then I'm not coming either. Because they must know something I don't know. So we're still back at the repellent. We're still back at the rejection. You know, people are repelled by all of that uncleanness and all of that bruising and all of that trauma and all of the, the things that I had psycho emotionally devised to manage it, to live with it. So we got that. And then we got, again, the repellent. Again, we went through the whole thing. So as a result, you don't grow, you keep trying, you, you don't, you fail, you fall in debt because the, the, the big price tag on rejection is debt. Because God, that's part of the curse, you know? And so especially when you're a minister. So I'm already female in a, in an, uh, a field that is not exactly welcoming. I'm already African-American, and now I've got this whole thing, because this church was very well known, that my, my family didn't think I was worthless. So now we got worthlessness and going back to nothing. So we're still at nothing from nothing is nothing. So we go on down, and various things happen. And uh, the two things I think that really, really uh, blew my mind, really broke me, I think, um, is the next one was that because I didn't stop, you know, the enemy will use the people who have authority in your life to freeze your progress. They will, they will do it all in the guise of helping you not make their mistake, causing you to see things the way they should be because you're, you know, disillusioned and you're deceived and all of those kinds of things. I got that. And I got it almost. 
two or three times a year, and they weren't minor things. And I remember, and my daughter was a, is a witness to this, I remember one of the final blows, there are two more, one of the final things is my mom, I was in my house, she came into my house in my bedroom and shut the door and proceeded to tell me she's going to tell, let me know about myself. And I'm telling you, for 30 minutes, she said every vile thing she could say. And I'm, I'm not a minister. I'm, I'm probably, what, heading on 40. And I remember the cuts were so bad, I jumped up to fight her. She wouldn't let me out of my room because she had her say. And the Holy Spirit yelled at me when he said, honor your father and your mother. And he restrained me. But, and so I had to listen and listen and listen. And I, again, I'm back at this root, this little curl, this little girl, and trying to make it, you know. And, and, and when, I, when she finally left, she said, well, I know that nobody else would tell you, so I just needed you to know. She gets up, gets in her car, she leaves. And I'm trying to leave because I'm thinking that I must be the worst thing that ever was. I mean, if your own mother can treat you like that, say that. Man, I must be the worst that ever was. And um, I got out and I grabbed some clothes and I threw them in my car and I was just leaving my house. And I was pulling out of the driveway and she came in, blocked my car. And I, I, you know, I was upset. Woman, get out of my way because I've got to go. Because at that moment, I had nothing. And she said, God sent me back and told me I have to go back and clean this up because if we let you leave like that. And she did all of the, you know, please forgive me, I don't know why. The words are powerful things. That's why they created the universe. And it's still standing. It's very hard to undo words. And so, and just let me know that's why nobody's going to take care of you. That's why nobody's ever going to believe you. And you're never going to be this. And you're never going to be that. And don't think you're going to build anything because who in the world wants to take care of that and pay that? It was a horrible 30 minutes. And as you can see, I still have to work through it. But then I'm going to write a course called Biblical Psychology. There you go. That fixes that up real good. And then so we, you know, at that point, we stopped talking for quite some time because there was nothing to say. And um, I had to work through all of that, all of those, those shots and those stabs in my soul and still keep ministry going, even though it's a hardship, still keep church going, keep family going, on and on and on. And so I, and I kept saying, but I don't understand why my mother cannot stand me. I just couldn't get it. I just couldn't. You know, and my brothers and sisters said, well, you know, no, my mother really loves you. Loves and like is two different things. My mother loved me, but she did not like me. And I couldn't wrap my head around the fact that I was unlikable to the person who gave me life. So, we, you know, I, I go on a couple of trips, and, 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 and whenever there were people around, she would really let her because she wants everybody to know this is the kind of pastor you have. This is I know because I'm her mother. This is the woman you have over you, and I just think you ought to know. And she would do that over and over again. As a matter of fact, um, one of the last times that it happened, which was maybe a few years. I was 52 years old. And uh, I'd been on a trip in the area, and usually on a trip in the area, I'd come and visit my family. I'd try to. 
it became so painful. I just never knew when, let them know when I was in town or not because I was like, I am so not up for this. I've cast out devils. I don't work with devils and tearing on. I'm certainly not coming home fighting with generation spirits. So I'm, I'm, I'm not. I'm, I'm in a hotel. I'm not telling anybody. But this time I went to my mom's house. Is this okay? Is, are they all right with this? Um, and so my, I, I was 52 years old. I'd come from a very, it was pretty successful, wouldn't you say? And Ashley was with me. Because this is just, this is the second armor bearer that she decided to bear her soul with, and um, I was very tired and I was asleep, and then I woke up, fell asleep on her sofa. I woke up, and we just started chatting, and all of a sudden that thing comes out again, and I'm utterly embarrassed because Ashley's with me, and she turns to Ashley and says, "See, that's what I mean. I want you to see what kind of past you are. You see how she does her mother." And she went on, and, and she went on. So I got up to leave, because I'm really good at leaving, because I know if I stay, I have a, a, especially back then, I had a horrible temper. And God knew that if he hadn't backed me, we'd have made the news. So, um, so this is the last time. I'm 52. My dad is there. My husband's there. And she starts picking, and she starts her usual routine. And she begins to let me know who do I think I am, and God talks to her, and I'm nobody, and she goes down, and she runs my life down in front of my armor bearer to let her know that I'm not worth respecting or serving or sacrificing to. And uh, I get up. I get up to walk out the door because I don't want to hurt this woman. And... Um, I start walking out the door, and she's chasing me, and she stands in front of me, and she won't move. But she's determined, I'm going to hear this. And I remember that day, I think that day, everything died in her and probably a good bit in me. And so she said to me, I'm sorry I ever had you. And at 52, I get the answer, that I'm sorry you were ever born. And I'm sitting there, and Ashley's like, she's just a visitor. She's like, what did I just, oh, Lord, what did I just walk into? And I, at that time, I just moved her out of the way. I said, I've got to go, because that's not something you want to hear at 52. Even if it answers all of the years, etc., that I lived, and all of the hostility. So... I just left, and I just started running down the street because I'm like, I don't know what's going on. I'm figuring this whole ministry thing is hard. This whole Christian thing is hard. This whole parent thing, it was crazy. And I ran. And, I, and so my dad, I think it was my dad or even my husband, one of them called me and, I, and brought me back. And so she stood there, and again, I'm ripped up. And she says, you know, I probably shouldn't have said that. I said, you know what? You have done this all my life. I am 52 years old. And I took her face in my hands. I said, this will never happen again. It will never. I want you to hear me because I was very serious that I'm not going to end. I'm 52 years old running from an abusive parent. There's something wrong with that. There's something very wrong. And so she said, you're right. And, you know, for a few years prior to her death, we tried. But, again, words, you know, hold up the universe. So that ought to tell you how bitter that hard it was. Now, so I'm fighting, I'm trying to get through, trying to get credibility, trying to have respect, and all of this 50-something years of this 
an entire um, vacuum of bitterness and abuse and neglect has hit home on me. And so I say that because from that, uh, from the time I started this thing, from the nothing, from nothing is nothing, I have fought and fought the repellent, the rejection, the misunderstanding, the whatever, and people who are mysteriously affected by that, that experience, by that stack, that pile in my life, don't know why they can't support, don't know why they get upset. Many of people who have come through my life literally use the same words that my mom used. Literally. Well, they, you know, this is not worth anything. I'm, I'm not going to invest in something like that. Well, I'll give you a few hundred dollars and I'll do that. Miracles, signs, wonders, nothing. I'm like Jesus. Nothing got it. And I say that to you to say, I, ha- I am sharing with you that we can together break this yoke. You know, many of you have wrote me and said, Dr. Christ, um, I know you paid a price for this. I've never said this. Ashley is sitting here right now. I'm sure my daughter is somewhere in the building. You know, I'm sure my husband is somewhere on the whatever. All of my family, i talking about 100% family rejection. To me, moms and dads meant nothing. Nothing. To me, family didn't mean anything because, for, because of that repellent, people could never see that I needed help, or if they did, didn't feel I was worth it. And the sense of worthiness for help and worthiness for support, that got lost no matter what. And, and, and there was no healing. Like, there was no healing. I said to God up until recently, I said, God, I've never had any big giver in my life until recently with this, with this show. Never. I would help people get healed, and they would give the, when they got ready to give the thank offering to someone else. Oh, yeah, I sent that to Jace. Yeah, no, I sent that to Joyce. No, I sent that. That's how serious your parental words are. You create a frequency and you recreate a field, a force field that literally binds that child to your words and, and, and releases the world to reenact and reinforce that parental curse. And it's a big problem. I know I'm not the only one. I'm just the one with the voice. And I'm just the one right now sharing with you. And these are just, I just gave you the, the fast story and, and the quick. So from the time I started, like when people say, well, my God, boy, you're sick. I don't hear that. I never hear it. When they say, oh, this is powerful. I'm like, really? I can't hear that. What I hear is that root, that root conversation. All of the labor, laboring and laboring and laboring. I just want to do it for God. I just wanted to do it right for him. I just want him to have somebody who can do it. But I also did it because he trusted me and he encouraged me. So I can write these books and write this class. So here I am in biblical psychology and all of this is happening. So God wakes me up one morning and he, well, for, for about four weeks, he kept saying, your mother, your mother, I said, do I miss my mother? Because I'm thinking I probably don't. And he said, no, you don't miss her. And then he'd go quiet. And then he'd start again, your mother, your mother. And I would say, what? And then he started, and he took me all the way back. Because I kept saying, at the root of my ministry, something is fundamentally wrong. There's something there at the root. And I thought it was between him, he and I. I didn't think it was between 
anyone else because nothing else really mattered over that kind of stuff. You do draw near to God. And, you know, he's okay. He's just going to suck you in because that's what he wants anyway. And so I said, my mother woke me up and he said to me, he took me back to that day in, in, in my mother's house. And he walked me through and he said, I want you to tell my people about parental curses and that they don't stop just because they die or just because your children grow up. And he said, your mother cursed your work the very before it was born and then reinforced that curse with rejection, criticism, and tongue lashing that nobody should live. He said, I want to heal you from that, and I want to reform your heart and reform your soul so that you can go forward and that we can eliminate all of that. So there are times that I'll meet people and I can see her eyes, I can see that spirit on them and know, okay, so this is not going to work out. So I'm sharing with you because I need two things. I need us to be healed. But I need you to help me get beyond these things so that I can do what I have to do. I mean, when you're like that, you're almost, you're afraid to ask for anything. You're afraid to ask for, certainly afraid to ask for money because after all, nothing from nothing. And you're afraid to trust people. You're afraid to use people. You won't reach out because all you know is that in the end, it will die. It will not last. And so I'm sharing that with you because I am glad that I wrote this course. I don't think that I'm done. I think that I have a bit of a journey to go. But I think that we've made a giant step toward that journey. And I would give you just right now, um, just for you to know that none of this is really an exaggeration. Um, I'm calling Ashley up because she was there that last day. And the stun. I never heard of, bring your thing because I'm sure we have some comments. But I'm calling her up to um, just, just to share with you just what it, what it, that last day. And how that at 52, it was over. At 52, I felt like I had no hope in my life of ever pleasing this person and thus pleasing anybody. So when people tell me, well, you know, you're full of pride or you don't listen, I, I don't want to make your head get big. I'm thinking you have no idea. Could I find my head? Forget in, in, inflating me. Could I, I live a life deflated? You know, and, and the, the deflation was not just about the words, but it was also about the, the, the constant cycle of try and it dies, try and it dies, try and it dies, until you get to the point, why try? When, I, when God came to me last year and said, I want you to start, restart your church, I cried. It took like days, days I cried on one to church because I'm tired of this. This is very difficult. And then when he said, okay, I want you to do a school. Oh, Jesus, do you not remember? Can you, can't you look at your eyes? <laughs> do you not remember? And then when he told me to do the television show, I nearly, I mean, I had to struggle. And he took control of all of those three resurgences. He took control, and he did them his way. Anyway, you were there. I was there. Well, you had told me at that time about your mom. Mm -hmm. And... Um, some of the things that she had said and done. And I was like, really? You know, because uh, I had a very healthy upbringing and I was not close to anybody who had um, been abused that talked about it, mm -hmm. even though I knew I had some friends who were. 
And so we had a layover in Newark is what it was. <laughs> that's Yeah, that's we were somewhere on the East Coast, um, and that was the connection. Only time in the 15 years I've been traveling with you that we've ever had a layover in Newark. You said, I'm going to see my family. And I was like, uh-oh, I get to meet my family. <laughs> and so <laughs> we were, went out to lunch, saw a few people, and stopped at your parents' house and um, had a little snack, did that sort of thing. And I thought, I think we're going to get away. We got free. And you actually said to your mom, Mom, I want to pray for you mm-hmm. because I see something happening in your body. Now, unbeknownst to us, that would end it with her death predating your father's, who mm-hmm. he was having physical <laughs> issues. Everybody was prepared for your dad, you know, to possibly go first. And so, um, and she said, okay. And it was something, whatever you said in that prayer that just flipped a switch in this woman I have never seen. And I... And she was little, you know, mm-hmm. she's little, mm-hmm. like me, little tiny lady, white hair, and totally turned into another person. And I was like, oh, there she is now. I was actually very angry in that moment and had to tell myself this was your mother <laughs> because you can't grab little old ladies like that. That just <laughs> doesn't work. And, and it was the craziest thing. And you said at the end of that, the next time I see you will be your funeral. You knew it. I knew I'm not. I'm never going to see you again. And like you said, you tried to work on the actual relationship as much as possible, checking in. Um, and I thought, wow, as an intercessor in your life, as an armor bearer, it made so many things make sense. And I think after that moment, I became extremely protective of who you are, more so than I was. I think I was protected by faith before that. But then I was protected by sight <laughs> after that. And, um, I, you know, I still get very intense when people go sideways about you because that's just. If you have a comment or a question or even some guidance, hey, let me know we're here. You know, again, now you can see why I was reluctant to do this. I was very reluctant because it's so, you know, uh, unveiling, and you feel like you're so unrobing yourself. But God felt like this was something that needed to happen for my good, for your good, for our collective good. And I pray that he gets whatever it is that he's going out uh, out of it. Mm -hmm. Let's see. Someone said, wow, parents don't know how damaging their words can be. Uh, Someone else said, I'm going through this. A lot of fun going through this is mm-hmm. running out the door. You know, um, Renisha said, please hear us. This, and you are powerful in your own words. You are good at this. <laughs> <laughs> um, let's see. Nikita said, my God, the Holy Spirit is delivering me. Mm, uh, what a goodness. blessing. Nelda said, yes, we are being helped and getting better. She also said in earlier comments about dealing with her parents, stepping up, acting out in her ministerial position as well. Mm-hmm. Francine Wilson, I will be praying for you. Um, let's see. When is the course? Is it online? <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, the course is wrapping now in Tulsa. But April 30th, our summer semester begins. And it'll take you through the end of July. So it's a full semester online from the lectures. that It's, it's this semester, but online in the summertime. 
And so there's a, a flexibility as far as not the due dates are not flexible, but watching the lectures and things like that, you won't have to be live on a class, mm -hmm. which is really helpful for work schedules and everything like that. You will have to enroll through Price University. This isn't like the non-degree courses where you can just sign up and go. You need to go to priceuniversity.org and fill out an application, submit all of the information to enroll in the school formally to make that happen. But April 30th is the date, and so we want as many people as possible today to go and begin that enrollment process. The class is not free. Uh, it's, it's still very economical for what it will ultimately be. Um, so you want to get in now. You want to get in now. Uh, Sadira said, help us, Dr. Price. <laughs> Sadira, how you doing? Miss you, girl. Yeah. Uh, Shantae said, thank you for sharing this with us. Uh, James White tagged a whole bunch of people. Mm -hmm. And it's like, you're doing good, Apostle. <laughs> um, let's see. Mackenzie said, my God, my sister told me God told her. Our mom did the curse. She cursed them, too, from being successful in life, she and her twin. Mm. And she said, pray, pray for that curse to be broken. Latasha, mm. then Jarvis. She said, thank you, Apostle, for telling us what we ought to know. Hmm. Um, Jacqueline said, woman of God, this is good, and, is an, and, and he is an awesome God. Hmm. Let me see here. Goodness. Oh, gosh. Well, I'm um, sure Prophet Abid will be making her way soon. Yeah, Ebony said, God bless you. Apostle Price, for your beautiful transparency. Stephen Holt Jr., my God, thank you for your deliverance. <laughs> Hallelujah. Oh, Sadira said again, this is so rich, filled with liberation for generations. Shantae mm, oh. said, you are helping me today. Uh, Renisha said, you have raised sons and daughters who change the way we live our lives. And we just had a whole bunch of people sign on. <laughs> well, well, it'll, well, you know, nothing's ever done on the Internet. No, so, no. Oh, no, you no. Know, it's out there. I, I, I thank God for it. But I, I also want you to consider the next time you feel repelled by somebody, you need to wonder and ask yourself, is this normal or are they being enshrouded yes. in some sort of parental or childhood, come on in, Prophet Abia, or parental or childhood uh, mistreatment or abuse? Because they do, that, 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 that stuff infects your soul. It infects your mind, and it infects your entire being. And it took all the way us getting here to realize that it's true. You know, neuroscience is tapping into this in a major way. And so I, I want you to not be so quick to dislike the person who looks like they're a little whiny or a little babyish, because there could be, could be some childhood um, issues that your astuteness is picking up as a ministry that you're using as rejection. You have, to, you have to question snap responses and snap judgments if we're going to grow up as Christians. You know, when I'm studying this, I realize that the least uh, part of the human makeup that the, uh, Christians deal with is the soul. Yet David said he restores my soul. John said he wants our souls to prosper, and yet that's the least thing because we can't even make the connection. One thing you will love about the Course is it will tell you where the soul is stationed in the human makeup and how it interconnects and interlaces with every other part. You will love this class. Yeah. I promise you churches will want to take their people through this class. We took our whole church through it, and, we, and our church members are like, wow. You know, what about you, Rachel? 
you know, you're brandy new. You're like, just relocated. And we took, <laughs> maybe poor thing, she got off the boat. We took her to the- <laughs> 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 the
So you've only been in two classes. God bless you. Two classes. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have to lay out on those. <laughs> so funny. So share what was most impactful for you or what you found most efficacious from the class. Oh, wow. And um, you've taken how many courses like this? 20. Mm. I mean, it's, I think it goes deep, so deep, um, you know, into your life uh, as you sit and kind of listen to uh, the material. I think most of the stuff I'm used to is surface theory, uh, practical application, um, oh. models, uh, fantasy, <laughs> stuff that's not even real. And I think when you sit and listen to Dr. Price and biblical psychology, what you what you have is an answer. Uh, you have an answer to, uh, you know, a, a really a way to get free. Mm-hmm. And you know, the, it, it's interesting. It's the promise that that God gives you initially when mm-hmm. He says He's going to deliver you. Mm-hmm. But you don't really think sometimes you're going to get there. And then you meet Dr. Price. <laughs> and then you have this new, uh, I'll use mechanism, uh, you know, equipment, uh, strategy, direction, way to get free. You know, and it's been in front of us, the word. All the time. Yeah. But it's, it's rightly divided. Yeah. See, the word rightly divided. That's where we are. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. All right, send Chief back here. I know she's somewhere now. Mm-hmm. Um, this is... One of our, what are you are? Early reloads? Yeah. Yeah. Tell them who you are, your background, and then tell them what you feel based on all of that about the class. Well, I'm known as Minister Maud McCullough in the area. My background is nursing. I'm also uh, working on a licensed practitioner's life uh, certification. So I do a lot of counseling and also have some of the same experiences Dr. Price speaks about. <laughs> and looking at the uniqueness of we could be in our later years and still walking through some of these things that were sealed into our makeup by someone in authority. And this message today is profound <laughs> because it's really giving us something that will take the ax to the root. And when you hear this, it really answers questions, and it causes us to say that God has a solution, and that's why we call it so, a solu- solution. Yeah. And so we're really looking at rehabilitating that show the way God intended it to be. Dr. Price has given us some answers by being transparent and letting us know there is an answer. You don't have to live like that any longer. Now, what part of the, if you had to tap into anything, because you've taken how many courses like this? I mean, you probably have taken a good five or six of them. I would, and one of the things we look at in biblical psychology, unlike the secular, even what we consider Christian psychology, this is looking for a cure. Biblical psychology Mm -hmm. brings a cure, not a treatment, not a treatment to the ailment, or the symptoms, but a cure because we go right at the root causes. And I would say the greatest lesson, just like Dr. Gale just said, was when she spoke about the will and the volition, how a lot of this stuff, we anchored into it, even the things that did take place as a child, but yet there's somewhere along the line, even as a child, we come into agreement. And even though the uh, culprit is no longer around, every situation brings us back into that same cycle. And we're looking at solutions to break that cycle. Excellent. Thank you, Ma. Thank Wonderful. You. Right. Amen. Did yeah. I get the other one? I had one more comment. Ooh, I wanted you to hear. I wanted you to hear the people who lived it, and even their their uh, sharing their emotional reactions. 
you know, to what we, what was said. Because the, in order to be free, the soul needs truth serum. Right. And so in our class over the uh, next year, as we go through the anatomy of the soul, we're going to talk about the soul's fundamental makeup. And we have to have truth serum. There has to be that truth that makes free. Now, so you said, while we're waiting for truth. Yeah. You said... Um, probably a couple of years ago when we were talking about the apostleship training and everything, you said anybody that we're going to put through ministerial training, we have to start with, at the time it was 3D. Yes. And so this course is now the new start gate. It is. Where everybody coming into ministry and somebody actually posted that on there. Oh, no, everybody going into ministry. I think it was Pamela. Mm-hmm. Yeah, everybody going into ministry. <laughs> oh, that's you, right, because she's facing it. Yes. yes. But you need this. First. Yeah, we need to um, her to call in. Yeah, yeah. Call uh, in, you, Pamela. Let's see, where is she at? Pamela, she said this course will be mandatory. Should be for all calls to ministry. How can you watch over another soul if you don't understand its anatomy? How can you? And yours is a mess. And yours is a mess. Okay, she said sign up today. <laughs> and uh, it's a it's a great, fantastic place to start. It's something that you rob yourself if you don't go home and process what you learn and mm-hmm. think about it exactly. and apply it uh, versus just like, wow. I mean, so many people after class, we have never seen people scatter. <laughs> and it's like, I no gotta scatter, go. No I have to go and think, I need to go pray. I need to go fall out. I need to go ask God for forgiveness, take responsibility, take ownership mm-hmm. for the oh. choices, which is what Minister Ma was saying, for even the... Um, subsequent decisions you made as a result of what did or did not happen to you? Well, you know, there's a whole section on how, how do you exploit your traumas? Because you do exploit your trauma. Yeah. You don't know that's what you're doing, whether it's retaliation, whether it's revenge, <laughs> or whether it's protection. Yeah. You do. We have to, there's a section on that. Because the most masterful thing you can do in life is, excuse me, cure you, cleanse you, cure you, and then keep you clean. That's your job. That's not a preacher's job. That is your job with the Holy Ghost. I have a wonderful, my most favorite girl. Come on in. Come on in. Now, this might have been difficult for you, and if it is, you are free to say some yes, then for me, Steve. So this has to be, I mean, and if it is, because this is, you know, God bless my daughter. <laughs> you know, we, we, we just, we throw, we drag you in there. And you know what? You, you keep swim, coming. And you keep swimming. <laughs> but we just want you to just share. You were also, you know, part of the class, or at least this makes of the class. Yeah. And I would, like, based on just your wisdom as a prophet, that's why I called you. Okay. Um, as a chief prophet, what, it, what you felt about the class and what it's done to you. Or what it can be for us. I agree, yes. No, I, I felt like the class was very effective. Um, I like the approach being very different, and I think that um, that was kind of said already, uh, the different of how uh, psychology has been treated in the past, and we addressed that today. And uh, some of the um, challenges with just dealing, dealing with this, uh, just purely from a mind standpoint, mm-hmm. as if, you know, brokenness is as logical. You know what I mean to the mind. Mm-hmm. Um, if the mind is trying to piece it together and respond for whatever resources are available inside the person, you know. Um, but I like the fact that you went deeper into the heart and deeper into a lot of the um, those motivations or what really cause it. 
and how you can deal with damages and things. One thing that we've talked about a lot in 3D is uh, going back and dealing with the, uh, the reality of what happens to you as a child and how as a child you can do nothing about it mm-hmm. because logic isn't there, intelligence isn't there, wisdom isn't there. It's just experience mm-hmm. because that's what growing up is about. It's just experience. And then uh, having adults when they get older be able to um, – successfully or productively, as you did even today with your own testimony, productively go back and revisit uh, childhood trauma mm-hmm. with the um, gained intelligence and wisdom, yeah. you know, from life, from the life experience you have as an adult. There's nothing you can do about That's what true. happens to you as a kid. You are a victim because, okay, you can't stop it, you can't control it, okay, not even because maybe size and, you know, whatever, but also response. Mm-hmm. It's never happened to you before, so you're not really sure how to respond, and all you have is your DNA instinctive, you know, instinctual uh, or intuitive things that are engrafted in you to know boom, boom, boom. But other than that, there's nothing else you can do. So what I like about how the biblical psychology course is constructed, and not just the course, but the program mm-hmm. is constructed, is that it allows you as an adult to go back and intelligently, biblically, okay, and um, I like to, I will just uh, model some of this moments ago, but so logically mm-hmm. address things that happen to you now. Yes. And although you can't erase the experience, you can go back and change your response and attitude and emotional uh, captivities from mm-hmm. it. Yeah. And I think that that's what I got from the class most of all, is that a lot of the emotional captivities and all of those types of responses, you know, uh, can now go back and be dealt with. You, can't, you couldn't deal with it then. That's very, very true. Mm-hmm. But you can deal with it now. And what I like about um, it being useful for prophets is that this doesn't have to be just a purely um, spiritual thing. Mm-hmm. It doesn't have to be just a purely um, uh, uh, prophetic thing, like predictive and, you know, that kind of thing. So we talk about, you know, uh, deliverance. We always want to jump right in and just bind devils up, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? <laughs> right, right, right. Heart of, you know, yes. dealing with those things. But we, there actually is a wisdom a creator logic to deliverance. Yes. And Thank I you. think that that's what you pointed out. And mm-hmm. so as prophets, as, as any kind of ministerial or even, uh, I would say, uh, non-ministerial uh, practitioner, you need the logical ways. Mm-hmm. Because I think that when we fail as prophets, that we may understand some things, you know, spiritually, and some of us a little more advanced, we understand it dramatically, great. Mm-hmm. But we don't, we ignore the... Um, the literal physical or or physiological process Mm -hmm. of the body, that the body goes through something. Mm -hmm. The Mm -hmm. mind went through something when you were traumatized. Mm -hmm. The soul went through something. Your actual body, obviously, if you were in an abusive situation, did go through something. And so there are biologics. There are, you know, a lot of chemicals, anatomical things that go into how your whole person deals with trauma. And we often just start right with, you know, there. Yes, we know that everything has uh, can be traced back to a spiritual root, mm-hmm. but after you deal with that invisible side, there has to be a process to, mm-hmm. to deal with all three parts of the human makeup yes. to get them back online. And mm-hmm. I think that as prophets, we can't just rely on our mm-hmm. prophetic abilities, our spiritual indebtedness to just go in there and do that. But I think it was important, as we even learned in the class when we actually had a secular therapist come in. Yes, we did have a okay. secular therapist come in. How you need to treat all those areas. They start with basic uh, uh, medical assessments, uh, 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 mental as a mental mm-hmm. uh, function, an operation mm-hmm. assessment, because all of that gets impacted. 
all mm-hmm. of that gets rattled in, in various ways in it and brings the whole thing together. So that was, that was that's what I would say to prophets who want to do this. If we're going to be an advisor, a coach, a counselor, I say prophets but ministers of the fivefold because we all end up touching these dynamics because yeah. of people that come into our lives and our churches. That's true. But everyone that is going to touch anybody's soul or have to deal with that in any kind of fashion, you really need this because there is a logic to deliverance, mm-hmm. not just a reaction. I love it. Say it again. Yeah, there's, a, a there's a logic to deliverance and not just a reaction. We're used to just spiritually reacting all over mm-hmm. people and mm-hmm. not necessarily walking them through something. And you know what else we're used to doing? Spiritually assuming. We just, we're yeah. presumptive in our deliverance. When I just assume it's the devil, or I just assume that it's, <laughs> excuse me, that you're being rebellious, or I assume that it's not real. But we cannot be assumptive or presumptive about people's deliverance. And if you don't get much out of what we said today, and I'm sure there's much to be gotten, you have to get out of it her last statement. The creator, the almighty, the logos, has a logic to his deliverances. And that is what we bring. You know, biblical psychology includes the logic, the medicine, the treatment, the therapies, and all of those things that will bring you to a place of cure. Because the, uh, the Bible says that apostles effect cures. And Jesus said to Herod, when Herod wanted him to come and say, hey, come do some tricks for me, Jesus said, go tell that fox that I perform miracles and do, do cures today. And the third day I'll be perfected. In other words, I'll be there soon enough. You'll get to, get to kill me soon enough. Don't worry about it. You won't miss your moment. But not today, not tomorrow, or the day after. So I thank you, Chief Prophet, because you know you have to be teaching this to your prophet. Would you believe that every prophet should have this? Ooh, everyone. Everyone. She said everyone. Forget the prophet, but everyone. But you need it because otherwise you'll just be relying on your, your prophetic faculties. And, and I do believe that the prophetic faculties encompass more than just prophesying and prediction and all that. You need all of the other logics that go into handling the human, uh, uh, human condition. You do. So we do need all those other logics with it. But this is very, very good, even for prophetic companies to go through together, because we go in there saying that we're the spiritual guard, we're the deliverers and all of that. From a, a spiritual, which I love about the assessment, I'll say this one point, and then I'm, I'm going to obviously uh, yes, <laughs> let you guys get back on with the show because I know we have some other things on our agenda today. But the, other, the, the last piece I'll say, just at, in speaking to the credibility of, of this level of training and development being important, very essential, even for prophetic companies and people that are not going to school, we automatically think, oh, biblical psychology, I'm not trying to be somebody's therapist. Yeah. I'm not trying to be somebody's right. counselor. I'm just out here trying to help folks. I mean, I just know that God called me to deliver. I just know when I pray for people, things happen. Wonderful. Beautiful. Beautiful. You heard that before? <laughs> but let me tell you something. What we've learned over the 10 years of doing this as advisors is that there, and the assessment separates this out um, between gifts and offices. There is a spiritual intelligence, and then there's a ministerial intelligence. Yeah. And when we first were being trained on the assessment, I didn't quite understand what the difference was. So I'm thinking, well, ministry is spiritual, so what do you think? <laughs> you know, but you can pick up things by the spirit because you are a prophet or you could be um, prophetically inclined or intuitive. And see, Sister So-and-So has the spirit of this, so walking in that. And by the Lord knows we've all dealt with that in the church, and pastors in, in particular bombarded with prophets, always seeing something on somebody. And, um, you know, sounding the alarm, giving those words. And that's wonderful because we do what we're supposed to see. However, 
the challenge which I think biblical psychology brings in there is that ministerial intelligence. Mm-hmm. There is an intelligence and wisdom to how to actually take what you see spiritually and minister, minister that or administer that to someone's life. And so mm-hmm. ministerial intelligence yeah. says that you have the wisdom and the intelligence to know how to take the spiritual things you're detecting, you're picking up, discerning, whatever it is that you do, and actually minister that to somebody. Because how we've been talking to pastors, prophets, and a lot of folks got scared because we didn't have ministerial finesse. And they were coming out <laughs> like, what? That's that 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 And you know, people are traumatized because they're like, I don't know. So you swear that they can see what all you I mean, I'm just going to swear a lot of people came to this conference, and we are scaring the living daylight out of people with our. You know, uh, all of our dramatic presentations of our spiritual exploits, but there is a ministerial wisdom that must be coupled with that so that you know how to administer it to people in a way, in a way that doesn't traumatize them further, mm-hmm. but actually gets them delivered, helps them have a, a, a uh, what do you call it, a positive memory of their encounter <laughs> with the prophet, okay, and then they're restored. So that would be the last piece I would add to that in, in terms of what biblical psychology gives you yeah. ministerial wisdom. Well, I thank you, and I'm glad that you didn't take that with you. That was neat. Thank you. Ooh, that was yeah, really good. Was. Hallelujah. <laughs> Bless you. By now, I guess you know that uh, this is not just about me. You know, there's an intelligence. Our God is intel- He is the intelligence of creation. We're going to have to start not only manifesting that, but acknowledging that when we, we act contrary to who he is, we are not moving in his intelligence. And so we won't tap into his logic. I think that's the first thing. Secondly, I know having trained prophets, having researched prophets, having listened to prophets, because I know you all think I just no, but I listen to them on the internet. I go to YouTube, and I think God, tell me this is not the prophetic. Please say this is not. Explains a lot, though, doesn't it? Doesn't it? It really does. But I want you to understand that no matter how pure the message is, if your brain is damaged or your emotions are damaged, and you're operating in, uh, according to the, the traumas and the tears and all of that that your soul has, your prophecies will sound crazy. <laughs> now, you may have heard God correctly, probably not, because if you can't hear people correctly, you can't hear God correctly. Mm. So you may have heard him correctly, but you don't know how to process it. You, we've not healed that. It's kind of like trying to lift a chair with a broken arm. Not going to happen. The chair is nothing wrong with the chair. The lifting technique may be right, but the equipment is damaged. And you should study faculties because a lot of prophets, I would say ministers in general, operate from damaged faculties. And so these are the kinds of things we don't want to do because we have locked the prophetic into that Greco-Roman model that I talked about last time. We've locked it into that. So in your mind, in your mind, well, I can still give the word of the Lord. When you, whenever you try to develop a prophet, they always go back to giving the word of the Lord, not receiving, oh not verifying, not, you know, validating, or, or even researching if necessary, just Hear and speak. Hear and speak. And between those two actions, there is nothing to validate that word. And you, the body of Christ, you are the object of that. You're the target. And it's your lives that are getting wrecked. Mm-hmm. 
and it's and, and or you'll go back and ask, okay, I get, I gave you the word of the Lord, and you can't and you go back and say, so what does that mean? Don't question me, or don't question God, because they don't know what it means. I let you hear my trainees, I let you hear my students and my prophets, so you understand they go beyond just giving you the word of the Lord. I don't care about the future if you can't tell me how I fit in it. So that's one of the things I want. But we haven't heard from you. Like, you wrote some stuff, didn't you? Do we have any more comments you want to make? Oh, let's see. I actually got a lot of stuff going on on this thing. talking today. Let's see here. The logic to deliverance. Okay, like that piece. Um, a cure, not a treatment. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're going for a cure, not a treatment, because they pretty much tell you if you're broken, you have to live with that limp. Yes. All right. Um, hey, Dr. Spears, everybody likes seeing everybody check in. Okay. Uh-huh. Let's see here. Daniel and Sarah saying hi to everybody. Mm. Okay. Dr. Price is located in Tulsa, Oklahoma. That is where we are. Mm. For that question, thank you for teaching us. Um, let's see, all churches need these teachings. I know that's real. Amen. I need this. Where do we get prophetic training? Priceuniversity.org <laughs> tells you how to go about And this is our missions uh, officer, so she'll be able to tell you some more when every, we let her get to you. got some stuff on this? Look at you trying to be like me once you the face. <laughs> I would have had more, but I was intently... Listening, listening to the story that was being shared. Oh, today. so do you want yeah. to share your comments? I was listening to. Um, the beginning where you talked about how the heart holds sorrow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the heart issues become body tissues. Mm-hmm. Which scripture, once again, like when you said rightly divided, mm-hmm. reveals all of our soul issues and solutions mm-hmm. are in there. Yep, they're in there. They really are in there. And... um how those matters of the heart, you, we just move on in life. Mm-hmm. You know, another day comes, another day comes, another day comes. And so you really do think you're over something mm-hmm. until somebody says a situation happens, somebody walks by wearing a certain fragrance, mm. and then a song plays in the mall, on the radio, you know, and all of a sudden you're right back there. And you realize, mm-hmm. at all. And, uh, you know, you have some decisions to make. Yeah. But without these tools and resources like biblical psychology, you're left to your own devices or someone else or somebody else's, which can't help you either. And you just keep the cycle going and going and going. So um, dealing with that and how you talked about Ezra mm-hmm. and how he said, I'm going to do it and teach it. Mm-hmm. I do it first. first. And, and how yeah. our first response is to teach it. Mm-hmm. Oh, I learned it. I teach it. Mm-hmm. And don't be a prophet. Oh, yeah. The download is still coming, and you're already out there saying. And it's falling on the floor. It's like, like oh, a but that was The rest of the word is a puddle on the floor. <laughs> that that wasn't it. the whole message. Or we actually need to add to uh, there's a piece of wisdom that God wants to bring. That was just a seed. Mm-hmm. That actually wasn't the truth. Yeah. That was just a seed um, that God was planting. And we want to start using fruit and having seeds, mm-hmm. and it's still in seed. Um, yeah, and how when you talk about you have to deal with the root of your life and not just the fruit mm. and how we really do just want to fix the outcome mm-hmm. of something and not realize you have to go. But again, if you don't have the right program or the right person, you'll be digging in all the wrong, weird, crazy, nonproductive, mm-hmm. ilky things and just swirl in the, in the swill or in the cesspool of your soul yeah. and still never get better, which is why people can be in those support groups or be 
uh, you know, with this, uh, you know, certain psychologists, psychiatrists, therapists, and never actually get healed. Exactly. Because they teach you really can't heal. Well, and they teach you can't heal because the soul is not sick because of the brain. Right. The soul is sick because of the heart. But this goes back to you talking about apostles having the cure and how God locked up the cure for his ministry. Mm-hmm. And so they're right. They really can't. They don't know. have it because they're not they, they don't. They don't have the code. It's like now the code, they're trying to, to find a cure for this and find a cure for that. There's a cure somewhere, mm-hmm. but it's buried so deep in creation. So God's like, no, this is an eternal judgment. So you're never going to find the cure know. for it because it's meant to be a judgment. It's meant to be a punishment. Mm-hmm. But uh, being a minister of the Lord and having those codes, the cure codes, oh my goodness, two people's souls to say no, this is what when mm-hmm. you teach and you teach it in a class, you, teach, you write it in 3D, mm-hmm. the book that you are bound by a certain line, mm-hmm. and you can only be set free by a certain yeah. truth. Exactly. But look at you. Yeah. Uh, in the class. I've lots of 3D class. Yes, look. <laughs> you a lot of 3D class. <laughs> yeah. But she's so right. You know, scripture says that. Um, God hides his, his deep truths and his um, eternal answers from the wise and the prudent. That means those who, I got this, and I, I, got, I can do it. He said, and he gives them to babes because he always starts a new thing with unknown and atypical information. Mm-hmm. He said that. Now, he wrote that. He said, you know, Jesus, he, Luke 10, he said, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have did these things in the lives of proven and given them to babes. Why? Because people who have already gotten their degrees, et cetera, they have to be a very unique being to accept that something like this and, and, and begin to see how it can reconcile with what they've done. Nobody is saying everything that's been done before this is wrong. And if that's what you hear, strike that. Because that's not what we're saying. We're saying God is doing two things. He's giving those who want a, an enduring answer, an enduring solution to what they are suffering, an opportunity to find it. And God always starts something new outside of the system, outside of the existing paradigm, so that, you, so that people go and, look and take a look. Let's think of it by Moses with that burning bush. Moses gone there all the time, and all of a sudden, here we have this bush burning that's not consumed. Well, right. what does that say? Mo- the Bible said Moses turned aside from his usual routine while the bush wasn't burning. Okay, I need to find out what is keeping that bush intact. Well, sometimes you need to turn aside and look at the, bu- the bush that's burning and not consumed. Why? Because the bush may not have been burning, and yes, it was on fire, but it was illuminated. And it's that illumination that you have to take a second look at if you want to make things happen. So he said that. And then the second thing I want you to know is Paul said that God made his apostles stewards of his mysteries. So if you're an apostle who is obviously on Lord Jesus Christ, you're going to be in his word. All of that other extraneous stuff is is going to frustrate you. And eventually you're just going to set it aside and say that's not for my job. And my branch of ministry. Mm-hmm. And you're going to get over here in those mysteries that set souls free. So I'm excited about that. It's your turn. Oh, my goodness. I mean, I'm eating this up. I think one of the things in your 3D course, that was the precursor to what is biblical psychology now, um, the, the heart of it, and, and going through it with so many students now, the, the whole heart of the course is that it's 
healing comes from going to the systemic root of things. Mm -hmm. As a psych major, we're taught to um, handle trauma and handle issues uh, that people are going through from the symptoms. Mm -hmm. So you're handling issues from the outcomes. Um, and you're, and because there is, and, and we were, as we were, I was talking with students from the class, and we were with students, yeah, just, a, just about a week ago, talking with students from the class, and after, after the guest speaker came from mm -hmm. the week before, um, and recognizing that now with the current wave of taking away personal responsibility yes. from mental illness yeah. and, and taking away personal, so you're definitely not digging back into mm -hmm. of those things because the, the idea is that there's no, you're not responsible for any no. part of what happened. And so that, I think that that is a huge thing from this 3D process and now into biblical psychology is going to the root of things. You talk about a soul vow root in mm -hmm. 3D. Um, and I think that that's so important that we recognize even decisions because 3D deals with decisions that we make that keep us in a particular cycle. So, you know, what decision did you make in dealing with the trauma that you experienced? I think that your story today is very, very powerful, and this is why you are, look at you today. You know, you're, you're talking to us from a perspective of, you, you made a statement that God knows what he put in you will overcome. Mm -hmm you have this life where you have this abusive mother um, where you're, you're not uh, affirmed, you're not um, confirmed, you're not uh, encouraged, there's not a lot of positive reinforcement that's going into your calling, and what do you make of it? Mm -hmm. And that's huge because it, it goes into whatever heart vow you make, you know, mm -hmm. whatever soul vow happened. Um, so it just, I think that you are literally an illustration of what you are teaching today, you know, in terms of what decision do you make now that that has happened to your mm -hmm. soul? There was many comments today that said, what do we do? What do we do? But it's, it's in what, it, what is the decision that happens after mm -hmm. the heart has been bruised? You talk about the soul bruising. I think that's one of the most impactful um, um, pieces of your psychology course, this series, that soul bruising, because the, the thing is, when a, when a bruise occurs, the healing process is very important. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? What happens that either prevents the bruising, that either, you know, prevents the scarring, and mm -hmm. I think that you, your decision to continue mm -hmm. regardless is a testimony to literally to uh, how God works. You know, and you talk about that in 3D. We have a choice. We can stay in that place, mm -hmm. or we can keep moving forward and, and make a different and make a different decision based on what happened to us. Um, so I just, I mean, I just think that that was very, really powerful. Mm -hmm. um, so many things that, that you said. Mm -hmm. um, you talked about today. Um, I have shared this with my. This should be good for you. Though. Yes, we. we I, I. This is why I shared that because you talked about how we can break our kids' spirit. Just going back to even the beginning of this of, yeah. of what you talked about today, um, and th that that there's a thing, there's a stigma that follows them that they don't know why. Um, and I think that that was really powerful today. Just getting to, but again, getting to the root of those things because a lot of people they don't know they're damaging their kids. No, they don't mean They don't know that that's. My mother would say, "Let me just destroy this kid. Absolutely. Let me protect you from a harsh world." Yeah, and let me toughen you up for a harsh work. So I'm going to be tough. Mm -hmm. I'm going to be the thing that breaks you. Mm -hmm. I mean, think about that. As we think about even parents, educators, I'm going to be the voice that breaks you. Mm -hmm. Because if I break you, then, then you won't be broken for the world. Mm -hmm. Because, see, I could manage your brokenness. You're my Absolutely. Kid, you know? And it's kind of, I mean, it's kind of odd. You know, yeah. it's a little yeah. bit odd. But it's still... It has its own logic. Yeah, because everything in life has a logic. We talked about it. Yeah. Emotionally unstable people or emotionally damaged folks have a logic. Their behavior or their solutions to their pains and their treatments and their consolations make perfect sense to them. There's a logic, you know? And likewise, mentally disturbed people 
in all kinds of, dis, of it, it's a logic, and it's a logic that goes back to a safety, to a safeguard. And that's important. You know, when you talk about, you know, even, even that, that whole heart thing, your heart is actually, it's such a powerful organ. It, one part of it reaches back to your spirit, and the other part reaches into your soul. Because your spirit is that eternal thing. You know, one of the times, one of our, my, my tongue lashings, I remember laying in my bed saying, man, I got to be horrible. God said, none of that is true. I made it because he would come and counter those words wow. as much as he could with truth. Because you overcome evil with good. He said, that's not truth. You know, I mean, he told me, no, your mother's a hard woman. Because I'm trying to deliver her from this and she won't listen to me. You know, we never think about that. Yeah. You know, and I was speaking to you moms. I'm speaking to the mothers. I like how you included the teachers. I'm speaking to moms. I'm yeah. speaking to dads. I'm speaking to parents. You know, I mean, when it was all said and done, my mother, when it was done, she cut her own children out of her inheritance. She gave it to some foreign people. And we thought, you really didn't like what you gave birth to. Mm-hmm. I mean, right down to the end. I'm going to maintain this thing, and I'm going to leave you to wonder all your days. Some of you all are doing this now. I'm going to leave you to wonder all your days why I didn't think you were worthy of my inheritance. That's a crazy thing, guys. And so I would say to you moms and you dads, you all remember that stigma. You know the word stigma is a sign. It means something. So the fact that your child is stigmatized is a sign of something that you did to make them repulsive to the people who can help them. That's why I love the counselors in the school that takes these take courses. That counselor will come in and fight that parental stigma, and they will come against that parental stigma. Some of you all are counselors right now, and you are teachers in school, and you're working hard to take that, the, the parental stigma off of a specially talented kid. Oh, I'm nobody. Well, honey, I'm nobody. But it doesn't matter. I can't win. I can't fail. You know, those comments, I can't do anything, I'm a failure. And, and I love the teachers that fight that. You know, you get some that feed into it, but there are a lot of them that fight it. I didn't have many teachers like that. You know, I really didn't. And mostly because I probably was so difficult that I didn't give them a chance. Because by the time I hit 14, it was on. I was going to never have to deal with that again. And so, but, but there's a lot of parents out there who, who, who need to know this. Because you think voicing your, your, your parents' echo is the way to do it. You're not trying to hurt your children. Hear it. Write it down. Dr. Price did not say that I do this because I want to hurt and wound my kids. You're not intending to. You're doing it because you think you're protecting them. You think you're preserving them, and you think you're preparing them for a hard world. But that's not going to work because the world that you got hurt in is not the world that they're entering. Amen. Because, you know, you keep looking at this little screen here and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Oh, yes, I'm just looking at the comments here oh. for your force field. You like that? Um, yeah, you talked about the force field today, um, mm-hmm. frequency, and there was a lot of response I noticed on that as well, Yeah. Um, that frequency, that your parental words mm-hmm. create a force field. Um, but I think a lot of people also today were really um, taken aback because we see you in all of your power, you know what I mean, in all of your authority and all of your strength. Um, and I think that when people see someone strong, they assume 
that nothing bad has happened yeah. to them, and not that that strength rose out of that yeah. pain. You know what I mean? Absolutely. And, and, and they also, you know, especially as Christians, you know, well, you know, you're strong, so obviously you don't need anything. Mm-hmm. And you don't realize that even yourself, you have to pray. Yeah. Because there, there's a, 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 even though God is delivering me, all the while I've been teaching this, God has been pulling all of these spirits out of my soul. Now, I would have thought I was delivered. And I'm watching him leave. Like, huh. And he's going layer by layer. He's dispatching them. He said, I'm dispatching them from you because you don't need them any longer because you're determined to stay whole, number one, but you're determined to serve me. So I need to move your obstacles. And a lot of psychological obstacles are there because if you don't want to obey God, God has no reason to set you free to that extent. So I'm watching them night after night. They're just leaving, just leaving. And I'm like, wow, that yes. And most of them were tied to that whole era in my life and that maternal experience or that maternal nurturing that I had or lacked. And this is, I want you to see that. Another time, you're know when God's getting ready to deliver you because he keeps giving you dreams and eras in which you were wounded. Hmm. So you keep saying, why, do I work? why am I returning to this? Why am I returning to that? That's and he'll keep you know. doing it. until See, because you have to blend this thing with the apostolic and the prophetic because those are the offering mantles of Scripture. And those offering mantles receive revelation from God himself, not, not second, third hand, first hand. Paul said, I was caught up in the third heaven. Uh, there was a man I know was caught up, I don't know, been the body out of, I don't know. <laughs> We're running out of time, but if you have a question or a comment, actually sitting right here, right it, here. it can be immediately addressed on Facebook. If you want to share a thought, we have uh, just about eight minutes, what, 12 minutes? Mm-hmm. Do we? No? About seven or eight. Okay, mm-hmm. seven or eight minutes. We have just about that. But if there's a comment that, you, that hasn't been made or questioned, I don't care if you're a kid and you're trying to figure out how to do it, or if you decide, you know, something has altered you even in this one broadcast. Hey, share it. I share it because God said others needed to be here. Maybe your question or comment will do the same. So if you have one, there it is. And well, I think that you also had to share this to break this, um, especially when you talked about it, and I've seen it, Prophet Diaz, you've seen it, um, concerning you people under the anointing of your teaching Mm -hmm. can clearly see what they need to do to advance this vision. And when they step out of that moment, like you said, well, here's a couple hundred dollars here and brag about, well, I've shown, oh, I gave so-and-so a million. I did blah, 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 a hundred thousand, 500,000, half a million over Mm -hmm. here, whatever. And God clearly told me what I needed to do with you. And that other thing moves in. And you can see their eyes change. They get cold, get um, Mm -hmm. get very brash, very brazen. All of a sudden, well, I'm just going to send you some links to uh, tell you what you need to do, dismissive, and mm-hmm. then invisible. And, this, and they're gone. And then when they return, do you know when they return? When their disobedience has, has a, a born fruit and they don't have it any longer. Yeah, there's always that. But, but that's late. Yeah. That's late. You need to understand, for, for me and many, many ministers out there who've suffered that, your your closed heart and that your closed mind and your indifference could be demonically motivated. Yes. You know, or it could be stigma inspired. 
I know that having pastured, I used to have sheep, and I mean, other sheep would walk in, and you just can't wait to embrace them, and then here's this other one looking all sad, sad, looking all, you know, depressed, and you're like, and you immediately, your guard goes up because they're not worth your best. And they're not worth your best because life hasn't dealt them the best. Mm-hmm. I just happen to be one of those who are just very stubborn. Out of everything my mom told me, she said two things. She said, you're a stubborn little girl. And she said, you're going to make it because you're stubborn. <laughs> and I do. I'm, I'm, I'm a bounce back thing, but I'm, I'm tired of this. I need a breakthrough or this, all of this that you admire is still not going to happen because I've lived it. We've lived it. Yes. It it, it has to be that you realize that what you hear the enemy say about me or the evil reports that you heard could have been motivated by more than my my misbehavior, my misconduct, or my mishandling. You cannot buy face value. The hardest thing that I had to learn is, Brother Christ, how, how is it that you get all of this from God? Because I don't care what people say. I take it to the Lord. There are times that God has told me, uh, somebody's given me a piece of gossip or something negative about a person, and while it's coming out of their mouth, God said, that's not true. Mm. But see, I have an ear to God's frequency. So he breaks through because he knows. He's God's sitting up in my in my whole being, and he said, "Now he said that's not true, and you need to investigate that story." So, or either God would tell me to do something, and someone will come to do something for someone, and somebody will come and, and try to talk me out of it. It's nothing but a devil talking you out of blessing what God wants to bless. But he'll come and tell me about it, and I'm I'm sitting there saying, well, "Maybe I miss God." I mean, God said, "Your duty is to obey me, because I bless obedience." I don't bless self-defense. I don't bless, you know, uh, rege- I'm not blessing all of that. I bless obedience. And some of you all, God told you to do things, whether it's for me or some other minister, and you watch that thing die, and it still didn't touch your heart. Why? Because that spirit, that stigma, convinced you that it should die and not live because it's not worthy of you getting involved or your intervention. And these are hard things. You know, for me, they'll tell you, I just go to my room, I cry and shut the door and whatever, because I feel like, God, maybe, you know, maybe it's right. I don't know. Maybe I'm not doing anything good. Maybe I'm not doing anything worthwhile. I mean, you know, trying to get folks to hear you and people to invest in it and to think it's worth fighting for. So I go through that. And so do you. Many of you could write me and inbox me and tell me that's what happened. So I go through that. And then somebody said, oh, well, this is really good. No, it can't be good because. Mm. Well, I must not be doing something like because. Well, God, I guess it really isn't worthwhile because. And this kind of transparency is real. And it's not me. And I don't know that I'll ever do it again because it's not something I, I like. I don't like it. I like being private. I, I didn't even want to be in public. I want to be behind a veil. <laughs> you know, they kept dragging me out. Okay. But the world needs you. Okay, we do have to wrap it up, though. She needs to do a couple of quick announcements. Do you have something quick to say? I do. Um, so now you can go online, both places, drpaulaaprice.com, begin the registration process. The Dr. Paula A. Price will actually lead you to what you need for biblical psychology to enroll and start your application process. If you're wanting to do biblical psychology, you need to start enrolling 
right now because you'll need to go through all the application steps. We also now have our full summer listing of all of our continuing ed and self-study classes available online. There's a summary of all those classes on the homepage of drpaulaabrice.com, and then there's information about it on priceuniversity.org as well and how you can start that process also. So we want you to visit us online, drpaulaabrice.com, start getting connected so that you can take biblical psychology, which starts on the 30th of April, and then our self-study classes start the 30th of April as well, and all those classes run, our whole summer session runs from April 30th through the 27th of July. So we want to encourage you, visit us online right now, start your application process because you need these classes, and that application comes first. Share, 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 share. because you're not the only one that God wants to set for Share it and share it and share it till God tells you to stop. God bless you. I'll see you Sunday for Scripture Organic, Culture Modified Christianity. Amen. <laughs> Have a great week. <laughs>